we had an influx of 10,000 new policies over the course of two weeks, that's normally what we would get over a number of months. The volume was just incredible. And then we sort of went from there. Insurance companies then started to panic. And that's where we saw people pulling products from the market, making changes to the cover, having your insurer saying, we're going to remove your products from the market. And all I can think about is but all of our clients, all of our property managers that we deal with and my workforce are all going to be impacted by this. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey everyone, it's Sam from Elite Agent here. From fires to floods and global pandemics, the last couple of years have served up an array of natural disasters that property owners have had to contend with. And as property managers across the country will tell you, investors have been among those heavily impacted. As the Managing Director of EBM Rent Cover, Sharon Fox Slater is a specialist in this space and today she's joining us to discuss what property managers need to tell their landlords about insurance and some of the weirdest and most wonderful claims that she's heard about along the way. So Sharon, welcome to the show. Hi Sam, thanks very much for having me. Well, it's awesome to have you. And for those of you who are listening who thought that the name rings a bell, I should start out by saying that Sharon has been um, an elite agent regular for quite a number of years now, probably at least, well, since the beginning, almost six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. And some of your articles have been the most read articles that we've had. There's been insights on um, floods, COVID-19, even general misconceptions when it comes to landlord insurance. And you've been in the space for a very long time. So let's rewind a little bit. Can you tell us how you came to be a specialist in landlord insurance? Sure. So I'd already been in the insurance industry for about seven years before I joined EBM. Um, and when I started, landlord's insurance didn't really exist at the time. Um, and so I sort of you know, took on that role, didn't really know what it was or what it entailed um, and quickly fell in love with uh, the real estate industry and you know, doing landlords insurance for them. And because it was new at the time, um, I've sort of really learnt and, and grown with it um, over the past 30 years. It, it's, it's been great and I'm still very passionate about what I do. I think from memory, EBM Rent Cover was one of the first insurers dedicated to servicing landlords and you guys marked your 30th anniversary this year so congratulations. Thank you. What has changed in the last 30 years? Interestingly not a huge amount. Um, we actually with our 30th, 30th anniversary we went through our history and had a look at what we covered 30 years ago versus what we covered today um, and all we've done is we've enhance the policy a little bit along the way but the basics are still there in terms of your loss of rent and tenant damage they've stood the test of time they're still what's needed today um, and so not a huge amount in that space has changed but what has changed not only for us but obviously in the real estate industry as well is the raft of legislation 
Um, you know, we're highly regulated. There are all sort of legislative changes that have come in for, um, you know, the real estate industry, all sorts of new tenancy laws. Uh, things are changing all the time. And I think both um, for us and property managers, we <clears throat> were hit with that changing legislation right in the middle of COVID as well. So it was a really challenging time for both industries. So in the beginning of 2020, what was it, what was it like for you um, sitting behind, you know, one of Australia's largest landlord insurers? How did you feel when, when they announced a global pandemic? Uh, well, I think we were all in the same boat in that um, we didn't really know what to think or what to expect. Uh, we had to obviously move quickly to get the entire workforce working from home. Um, we know part of what we have is a call centre. So running a call centre from people's houses is something that we yeah, sort of played around with, but um, we actually had to enact it and make it happen. Um, and therefore technology was obviously really important. Uh, so we got through that relatively unscathed. Everybody sort of did settle um, and we got quite a good rhythm. Um, that was for the first few weeks. And then what happened, which I did not expect, was we had people panic buying landlord's insurance. So, <laughs> and, you know, we, we've seen it obviously with, with the toilet paper. We actually had that happening and um, our phones were just absolutely out of control and people wanted to talk to people and, uh, you know, we'd have people saying, my goodness, you're the only company that's actually got people answering the phone. I don't know what to do. Um, I don't have any insurance and people were just panicking. It was just, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and we had an influx of 10,000 new policies over the course of two weeks. That's normally what we would get over a number of months. The volume was just incredible. And then we sort of went from there. Insurance companies then started to panic. And that's where we saw people pulling products from the market, making changes to the cover. And when that started to happen, that was extremely stressful. That's probably the most stressful thing I've ever been through in my entire life, having your insurer saying, we're going to remove your products from the market. And all I can think about is, but all of our clients, all of our property managers that we deal with and my workforce are all going to be impacted by this and, um, you know, struggling to put the argument forward to the insurer and actually having to argue with the actuaries about what was expected in terms of what claims would come was um, we were just working like 24-7 around the clock just to try and hold it all together and keep our products there. We were the last people in the market in terms of having products there. And then we were able to do what we could for clients that were already um, signed up with us. We, we still were able to look after them through that challenging period of time. Sorry, that sort of was a lot, um, but yeah, it was really full on. Yeah, I, I can I can imagine because, you know, like I, I think I was I was thinking about you guys at the time because the news cycle was like changing so rapidly and the landscape was moving so rapidly. My It was almost my first thought is how are the insurers going? Um, you know, because, you know, even, even in our lives there was so much going on. But, um, but you just alluded to a few things that are quite different about EBM um, rent cover compared to other insurers. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the points of difference of EBM rent cover to, to say other people out there? So the key one is that we do have people answering the phone. Uh, that's something that we've had for 30 years. It's something that um, I'm particularly passionate about. Um, technology is great and we do utilise it and, um, you know, it, it, it's great in terms of enhancing certain systems and, and automation. 
But ultimately, when it comes to an investment, people have invested an awful lot of money. And really, when the rubber hits the road, they want somebody to talk to. They don't want to do it online and they don't want an automated um, you know, telephone system directing them here, there and everywhere and not really getting to anyone. So our team are trained up to um, pretty much answer everything and anything. Uh, so that's one point of difference that um, I think was pretty important, particularly through you know, that pandemic. Uh, but even, even now, people are ringing and talking to us all the time. And then, of course, the other side of it is service. Now, everybody offers service, but um, we have for 30 years been basically turning our claims around within five working days. And we still are doing that as much as possible. And I say as much as possible because we've obviously got this influx now with all of the natural disasters, the floods, supply chain issues, and I won't go into all of that, but we do have delays with lots of things. But nevertheless, my people are still there and um, talking to people and telling them about what is going on. And that brings me into our other point of difference, which is that we don't go out there to sell our insurance products. I know people think that insurance people do do that, but what we actually aim to do is educate people. We're really passionate about making sure that people understand the importance of insurance what it's there for and helping. We don't mind if you're not a client of ours, but as long as you've got some adequate insurance somewhere, um, then we're happy. Yeah, absolutely. It is about educating people. Actually, I know in the conversations that you and I have had over the years, I've, I've sort of, you've taught me a lot about insurance, not just in the real estate industry, but um, but in our own business as well. And every time we talk, I think, have we got enough insurance? <laughs> Um, so, you know, the, the education piece is, is fantastic. So um, you got, you've been in the industry for 30 years and um, you would have seen some weird and wonderful claims along the way. What are some of the most common claims that you see landlords making right now? Most common claims have always been tenant damage and loss of rent. They're most common. We've had a lot more in terms of natural disasters, uh, but that's not obviously specific to landlords, uh, but landlords definitely loss of rent and tenant damage. And does it happen more commonly than people think or is it, you know, is it not that regular these days? I think it's more common than people realise. Um, because it's not intentional. I think that's probably the key. Most people don't go into a rental deliberately you know to damage it or to not pay their rent but life just gets in the way uh, and look at look at what a time we're in at the moment with interest rates going up um, and just affordability across the board you know people not being able to afford petrol and things like that um, so if you're struggling just with costs in life then that's going to impact on your rent so therefore I've got to default on my rent because I've actually got some other things that I need to pay for um, so it is more common and then those sort of factors really play a part in what people are doing in terms of rentals. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, and probably something that everyone, you know, particularly if you're an investor, needs to think about right now too, like because with mortgage rates going up, et cetera, et cetera, there's a, there's a knock-on effect. Yeah, there is, absolutely. And I know that uh, obviously with interest rates going up, rents will go up, but tenants are also bearing the cost of everything else like everyone is. Uh, and so there becomes that affordability question because you don't want to have your rent so high that your tenants can't afford to pay it. But then as a landlord, you also have to make sure that you can afford to repay your mortgage. So it's a balancing act. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, been waiting to ask this question all morning, but um, what about some of the strangest claims that you've ever seen? 
So the strangest claim that I've ever seen was only a couple of years ago where um, a tenant had rented a five-acre property and had approval for a couple of cats, a couple of dogs, and they actually were running like an animal rescue shelter centre from the property. Um, and so it turned out that they had around 100 animals uh, predominantly foxes and dingoes that have been rescued. Um, so you can imagine five acre property with that many animals. Um, yeah, it was quite a mess, cost a lot of money to fix it up. And again, the the tenants, in, the tenants intention there was obviously to look after animals, not damage the property. So that's a good example actually of um, the sorts of things that can go wrong. Um, you know, that they're trying to look after all of these animals, but the property wasn't designed for that. That's like that that old chestnut of one small dog, you know, that turns out to be a French mastiff or something like that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But then that's probably just a good segue into um, pet damage. People think that we would have a lot of claims for, for pets. And there's actually not as many as you think. We get more claims because of people than we do because of animals. Most people are pretty good when it comes to their animals. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you know, like we've got we've got a dog and I think, you know, we're um, very strict on the dog to make sure that, you know, he looks after the place as well as we do. So, you know, so I'd, I'd have to agree with that. What What do you think then are the things that landlord insurance should cover at a minimum? At a minimum, they should cover um, some rent default and they should cover some damage, um, accidental damage is better than just having malicious damage because not all damage is maliciously caused and it's actually very difficult to prove a malicious damage claim. Uh, so definitely accidental damage. But do you know what the key thing, if there was just one thing that you should get cover for is absolutely liability. It's one thing that's often overlooked and it's the most expensive sort of claim. It's the most expensive thing that can go wrong is liability and you should have 20 or $30 million worth. Yeah, so you mean um, for, for personal injury or something like that? Yeah, yeah, so um, for property or injury. So, yeah, if a tenant has an accident um, and they deem that the landlord was at fault or if one of their invitees had an accident or um, if something's happened and the tenant's property, you know, is, is damaged because of something that they think that the landlord was responsible for. Yeah. So I can't remember a year on record where we've had as much rain and like I'm, you know, I've been around the block a few times. So, you know, th this year has been a year full of rain, um, natural disasters. I mean, there was the black summer of 2019, 2020, a pandemic in between. And then this year we've had all the floods and and still, you know, like they're continuing to be flooded in northern New South Wales and places like that. Um, what are some of the key landlord insurance takeaways from these events? First thing is that you need to make sure that landlord insurance is taken out at the time that the lease is put in place. You cannot take insurance out as the disaster is about to hit. We see this a lot and it's quite heartbreaking to know that people are trying to get insurance because they know the property is about to be burnt or about to be flooded and they didn't have anything in place. You can't take insurance out as it's occurring. They, they, there are embargoes in place, you're not allowed to do that. So it pays to actually get insurance at the right time. It's probably my number one thing. Um, and then number two is obviously get prepared, get the tenants prepared if you know that, um, for example, the property is about to be flooded. You know, evacuate early 
get your precious belongings out early. Don't wait until the last minute. Don't think that it will all be okay. It's just better to be safe and um, not be in the vicinity. Yeah, that is good advice. Um, what were some of the biggest things that surprised you from an insurance perspective during, um, you know, during the the most, the hardest months of the pandemic? The thing that surprised me the most was, well, number one, the number of people that didn't have insurance, which obviously was evidenced by this panic buying that we saw. Uh, but the other thing that really surprised me was um, how panicked the insurers were by COVID. Now, bearing in mind, they weren't obviously just doing residential insurance. They were uh, doing all sorts of insurance that was impacted, uh, you know, and business interruption was a big, was a big one. Um, but the level of, I suppose, fear around what would happen, that they would have um, portfolios that were unsustainable because of the amount of money that had to be paid out. So in our world, um, I know for us, um, the prediction was that we'd have something like, I think it was around $80 million worth of claims. And we'd done sort of some of our own modelling and we said, no, we would probably be around the two, $3 million mark. Um, our estimations were right, theirs were wrong. Um, but it just really highlighted the level of panic because of the unknown. That was probably the biggest surprise for us. Yeah. I mean, as humans, we try to sort of sort out the unknown in our heads and the and the, the, the obvious way that we do it is to panic. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, that's it's been a big learning and a big takeaway for me as well to sort of, you know, try and hold the calm even when, you know, you're uncertain of, of, of what's what's ahead. What do you wish landlords knew when it comes to adequate insurance? And maybe I should preface that as well with um, what do you wish property managers knew when it comes to adequate insurance? Uh, I wish that they knew that if you have a unit or an apartment, that the strata building insurance doesn't extend to all of those responsibilities that um, are within the four walls of that unit and an apartment. So you need adequate insurance for that. And then on the flip side of it, I wish that they knew that just a landlord's policy isn't sufficient to extend to the building and all of those insured events like flood, like fire, like rain. Um, you need additional cover for that. Yeah. So let's talk about the floods because there are insurance claims still going on in, in many areas. What's some advice you could give property managers in preparing tenants and assisting landlords prior to, you know, let's just say they live in a place like Lismore. Um, you know, what sort of preparation should these people be, be taking on before something like this happens? So, well, obviously make sure that you've got insurance in place well before um, and then, you know, the advice comes out is to take action early. Um, there's all sort of preventative things that you can try and do if the flood water is obviously not going to be too high in terms of trying to sort of prevent the water from coming in. Again, get your belongings off the ground, get them up as high as you possibly can. Um, it's very difficult though. There's actually just not a lot that you can do once it, once it hits. But again, if you've taken you know, your, the belongings that you care about out of the property, if you can relocate early. Yeah, don't don't hang on thinking it'll get better or something like that. It's much better to be safe. Absolutely. When it comes to insurance claims for a natural disaster, how can property managers best assist landlords when it comes time to make a claim? 
So the best thing is obviously act early. Um, these ones have been particularly challenging because we've obviously had floods upon floods. We've got issues with um, supply chain, uh, you know, products being available, um, builders and labourers being available. And um, so people that didn't act early are now just sort of sitting there. There's a, there's a shortage of assessors in the market. Um, so, you know, it's taking a really long time to get reports through. But even if you can get a report through, you can't get a builder. Um, so really it pays to do it as early as you can because the longer that you leave it, you're sort of further down the list, if, if you like. So definitely do it early. But right at the moment, um, something that we've never, ever seen before, you literally just can't get people and you can't get supplies. So there are properties that are just sitting there, not just landlords, but owner-occupied properties as well that can't be fixed. There's mm. just nothing that anybody can do until the industry is freed up and they've got more supplies. Yeah, you've mentioned the supply chain a couple of times and I think this is really interesting because, um, you know, at the beginning of 2020 when we did Transform, we talked about the knock-on effect of supply chains being broken that we wouldn't know how bad it was until, like, we got there. And I feel like what you're talking about now is what we predicted a little bit in that, you know, like it's hard to get a new car into the country because, you know, the supply chain on the keys has been disrupted and just stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And now, I mean, who would have thought that you couldn't get a builder to come to your house because they don't have the materials to do what they need to do? Um, never thought that we would have that problem, but we do. And uh, it's bad enough if it's just renovating a property, let alone dealing with something that's severely damaged. Yeah. What should landlords expect from their insurer in the wake of a natural disaster, given some of the issues that we've just talked about? Look, the main thing that they should expect from them is just at least to get information. So um, as I've said, you know, our hands are all a little bit tied um, when we can't get people to attend properties, but we make every attempt to at least let people know, keep them informed, be honest about it. We're being really honest with our clients that there are delays. We're doing things like looking at, um, you know, at least paying loss of rent while they're sitting there waiting, not waiting until the end and it's all been assessed. So it gives some people some some information. And if you can actually give a payment for something because it's an insured loss, then do that. Uh, but I think the, the key thing is give them some information about what's going on. Yeah. Communication's always key at times of stress. Yeah. 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 So property managers obviously can't recommend a specific insurer, but what should they be suggesting their landlords look for when it comes to insurance? So uh, obviously one with a good reputation, but the key for me is um, check their history in terms of claims. Are they actually known for paying out claims or not? Uh, because when you go into your insurance purchase, it's often all about price. Um, and if something's cheap, it's normally cheap for a reason. Uh, so don't just buy on price alone, um, but check whether or not they actually have a reputation for paying. Um, and the good ones do. And that, you know, there is a perception that insurance companies don't pay, but they actually do pay um, and they pay out a lot. So just make sure that you, you know that they do that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, that might be one of the misconceptions that people often sort of, you know, think about when they think about insurers, um, you know, and speaking of that, you know, what are some of the some of the misconceptions you hear about landlord insurance and could you set the record straight on a few of them? 
One of the key things uh, for me is that we see a lot of people that make claims for maintenance. And in a rental property, there's obviously always maintenance and just things that happen through the normal course of living in a property. We see people claiming for that a lot. And we also see people claiming for technically what's renovations to property. So those claims obviously get declined because there's no cover. And then that becomes the insurer is not paying for anything. And so um, the misconception is that insurers just look for ways to not pay, which is not true because as I said, with payout, you know, thousands and thousands of, of, of dollars and, and claims all the time. Um, but we don't pay things that are not covered. So, you know, it is, they're not, they're not just there to pay for every expense that a landlord has. They're there to pay for the things that were unforeseen. Yeah. This is where the education piece is really key, like to almost, you know, sit people down and make sure that they understand what's included and what's not included and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, finally, I guess, you know, there's probably some landlords out there who are, might be self-managing that are listening to this uh, and there might be quite a few PMs out there who have landlords that say, that say to them, I don't need insurance. Um, what should they say to that? Well, if your tenant had an accident and you were deemed responsible for that and it went into millions of dollars, could you afford to pay for that? Because for a reasonable cost, you'll be protected if something goes wrong. Yeah, which is like that that's worth it right there. So um, I do ask a final question of all my guests, but I'm going to ask you a second final question, which um, is because you've written so many articles for us over the years, do you have a particular favourite which we'll link in the show notes for everybody? My favourite one was actually, I think the headline was One Small Dog. Um, yeah, which I remember about, that. Yeah, that was absolutely my favourite um, just because of, as I said, the perception around it. Yeah, I think everyone's got a one small dog story for sure. Um, okay, so so final question, and I just want to say thank you for joining us on the podcast, and thank you for wearing that shirt. You 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 wear the peace, love, and real estate shirt incredibly well. I wanted my team to all see it. <laughs> yeah, actually, we we we're running low on those shirts. I think we need to get another order in now that you know, like we've given them all away. I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast today and and sharing a bit of your your journey with um, EBM Rent Cover and 30 years of landlord insurance experience. And I have to say that, you know, look, I mean, if if anyone has any questions about landlord insurance um, and you want to send us a question and you want Sharon to write an article on it, um, please hit us up by emailing editor at eliteagent.com.au. I've never met anyone who's such a font of knowledge. <laughs> but um, if there was one um, if there was one thing that you'd like to leave people with, Sharon, um, as a result of listening to this podcast or one takeaway or one action item, what would that be? It would be, can you afford the risk of not having insurance or not having enough? Simple. Yeah, absolutely. Insurance is a good thing that is, um, you know, when you need it, it's there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sharon Fox Slater, thank you so much. Thank you, Sam. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.